Well, today we're starting a new sermon series, and we're calling it The Playlist, all right? Does anyone ever just listen to a playlist, maybe on Spotify, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm a YouTube video guy as I'm working, I just let that playlist flow, and somehow, you know, all these special algorithms, they know how just to keep selecting my favorite songs, you know, but, but, but even you can set up your own playlist, right, and you can, you know, add a song and remove a song, and so for the next nine weeks, uh, we're going to be in this series called The Playlist because really what it is is a lot of just themes and, and, and passages from the Bible that God has been placing on my heart, and Pastor John's also going to share in this series, um, that, that we just, it's an overflow of what God is doing in us, some of the things that he's teaching us. And, and I hope that even as we move through various topics and, and themes, we're going to talk about, um, you know, uh, rest, how to push pause in our distracted and busy uh, culture. We're going to talk about emotional health, physical health. Um, we're going to talk about ra racial reconciliation. We're going to talk about how to experience breakthroughs in our life. Just so many different topics. And who knows, they might change as we go throughout the playlist, you know, and just add and remove. But, but the bottom line that I, I want to share is that hopefully it's like an implicit example of what should be happening in each of our hearts because um, God is doing something in you. He's teaching you day by day by day. In other words, we should all have a playlist. You know what I'm talking about? Just as you're walking and going through life that uh, you can share out of your own experience what God's doing in you. And so that's what this series is about, and today we're going to start with the topic of supernatural from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And so uh, many of you know that this year was an important year in the, the, the uh, life of NASA. It marked the 50th year since we put a man on the moon, right, in the indelible words of Neil Armstrong when he said, this is one small step for Man, one giant leap for mankind, right? And, and I don't know about you, but for me, like I follow NASA on Instagram, you know, it's just, there's something so fascinating, something so important about the work that they do. And yet, uh, what's really kind of strange to me in our culture is that uh, NASA has really experienced kind of a, a reemergence in our culture because like everywhere you go, it seems that you will find a NASA logo on something. I mean, does anyone, can anyone just, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like T-shirts, sweatshirts, backpacks, shoes. I mean, they're just stickers. They're just everywhere, right? And uh, there are several theories for why this is. I'll give you just a few, all right, a few. Um, NASA officials, probably unsurprisingly, point to the renewal of focus in STEM education, right? Science, technology, engineering, and math. And so they're saying, hey, there's this re-emergence re re of focus on STEM education. Um, other people point to uh, the work of Elon Musk with SpaceX program that very soon people are going to be literally taking round trips in outer space. Pretty amazing. And so maybe that's a reason why. Other people, pop culture analysts, would point to Coach and Gucci, uh, several years ago, they put the NASA logo on a couple of their products, and you know how it is, a couple of famous people will start rocking that NASA, and then all of a sudden, you know, it hits a tipping point, and now everyone's wearing NASA on their gear. But my favorite is this. 
somewhere, because I, I had to ask, you know, I try to keep up, I try to, you know, be in the know, but sometimes I need help with that, you know? And so I asked someone, even in our church, and uh, this was back in early May, I said, what's, what's going on with all the NASA stuff? And they, you know what they told me? They said, it means that that person is out of this world. Now, I, I don't know, I don't know if that's, you know, what, what you think, um, but, but maybe, you know, maybe some of you, you know, you've kind of, you've kind of put that NASA sticker on, like self-proclaimed, you know, like, man, I'm out of this world, you know, um, or, or maybe you've given that, once I found that out, you know, I like that, we like to have fun in our house, and so I found that out early May, Mother's Day was coming, and so I bought a, I bought a 300 pack of, of out of this world stickers, and, you know, put it on mommy's card, and Mom, a couple of mom's gift. I didn't put them all over the house because that would have not have made her Mother's Day, all right? But, um, you know, just because she is, she's out of this world to me. And, and, and so as we think about this idea of, of being supernatural, of living a supernatural life, the very, very good news that I have to share with you today is this. If you follow Jesus... God has done more than slap a sticker on your chest. He has placed his very presence within you by his Holy Spirit, and you are, in a very real sense, out of this world. You are supernatural. And I just think it's time for us to wake up to the reality that God has called us and invited us and empowered us to live supernatural lives every day. And this is what Paul is getting at as he writes the letter of 1 Corinthians to this group in Corinth that definitely needed some encouragement. Things were not all that great in the city of Corinth with the church, they had some growing up to do. And so what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9? Let me read them for us, and you can follow along uh, as I do that. Paul says this, But I, brothers and sisters, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Let's pray one more time. God, we ask that in these moments, they would be more than mere words from a man on a stage, but we would hear your voice through your word and that our lives as a result would be changed. 
And so God, if anything supernatural happens in this place today, it's because you showed up and you did what you wanted to do. And that's what we're asking for right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here's the, here's, the, here's the main point I want you to walk away with today, okay? If you remember nothing else, please remember this, all right? The Holy Spirit in you makes you supernatural, all right? The Holy Spirit in you makes you supernatural. I want to give you three evidences of this as Paul works his way through uh, this portion of First Corinthians. The first idea, the first evidence that, that we see of a supernatural life is that of progress, all right? We see this in verses one and two. Paul begins and he says, but I, brothers, and you may have a, a, a footnote there that says the Greek word for, for uh, uh, anthropoi means sibling. So when we see that most often in the New Testament, it's talking to brothers and sisters, all right? So this isn't a guy thing. This isn't everybody thing, all right? But he's, he's talking to people in a family, all right? And so what he's saying is these are people who have indeed followed Jesus. They've made him the priority of their life. They said, Jesus is Lord. We saw people baptized last week. They're the same, same for these people in Corinth. Um, and we really need to understand that because as we continue to read, and especially if you go on to read the rest of the letter, you're going to find that these people weren't always living like a Christian would live. And, but, but just... Be encouraged by uh, what he says about them in chapter 1. If you want to look back to chapter 1, verses 5 uh, through 7, he's talking about these people who have some really major issues in their life of not looking like Jesus. He calls them this. He says, uh, In every way you were enriched in him, in Christ, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. Look at verse 7. So that as you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so that, like, that sounds really good. He's saying, man, you're gifted. You have the Holy Spirit. Your faith has been confirmed. But then in verse 1, we see that he goes on to describe them. And he says, I can't talk to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. And what does Paul mean by this? When, when Paul talks about flesh, in chapter 2, he just talked about uh, when you uh, experience the gospel through Christ, Christ and him crucified, God gives us the Holy Spirit, and now we are no longer just natural people, okay? But God has, like I said, he's given us his spirit, and we're now alive in him. But what Paul is saying is that though you are spiritual, I can't talk to you that way because you're acting more like, you're behaving like you don't really have the Spirit, as if you, you don't really follow Christ. And so this is a huge uh, accusation that Paul levels uh, against them, hopefully to wake them up. Now, but even as we think about what it means to be of the flesh, I want to clear up what has been a, a, really a controversy in the church in the past, that Paul is not talking about two classes of Christians here, all right? So like there are legit Christians, and then there are worldly Christians or um, Maybe you heard in church growing up, uh, carnal Christians, like of the flesh. Like, so, so you're in Christ, but you don't really, you don't really live like Christ, and that's okay. Um, here's the danger with that. Number one, that's not what Paul's saying. Number two, what that idea can perpetuate is that, hey, you said you accepted Christ 20 years ago, but for the past 20 years you haven't lived like Jesus and so the conclusion is not that this person is a worldly or carnal Christian. 
the conclusion is that they're not a Christian at all. You see, the greatest evidence of someone's faith is how they're living their life today. And so what Paul's saying is that, hey, the, you're, you're in Christ. You're just not living like it. And so let's, let's, let's regroup here. Let's start living like it. But then if you notice, as he goes on in verse, at the end of verse 1, he calls them infants. I mean, Paul calls them babies, all right? So if you think, if you think Pastor Tanner and our pastors keep it real, all right, just read the New Testament because Paul is keeping it real here. He calls them babies. He says they're still in need of milk, not solid food. And oftentimes in the church, when we hear this word milk, we see it in the New Testament, we automatically think about what Paul or whoever wrote Hebrews is talking about in Hebrews chapter 6. It's about the content of the teaching, and it's about growing in our understanding. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul is talking about how we take what we hear and actually put it into practice in our lives. We see this clearly from the context. He goes immediately and he starts talking about how they're living their life, not what they're understanding. And by the way, if I can just, you know, enlighten you today, um, as we understand the gospel and as we live what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and them crucified. This is what we talked about four weeks ago. If you remember from Colossians chapter 2, the gospel is not the ABCs, it's the A to Z. So we never outgrow the gospel. The gospel is the milk. The gospel is the meat. The gospel is everything. And you'll never outgrow the gospel. I was waiting for that. Thank you. So, 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 and here's the danger. Here's the danger. We live in a land and an age that is the most educated and the most informationally driven in the history of the world. And don't doubt for a second that the culture can invade the heart and we equate maturity in Christ with knowledge, but not practice. Now, don't get it twisted, all right? Practice flows from knowledge. But the problem is when we listen to 10 podcasts and we read our Bible three times a day, but we don't live like Jesus, that's an issue. It's an issue. You can, you can have perfect Christology and not love Jesus. You can know uh, harmartiology inside and out, but not hate your sin. You can be able to give the history of missions, know everything about missiology and contextualization, but never tell anyone about Jesus. And Paul's saying, look, like, it's about, yes, knowing who he is, but then as you know who he is, to truly know him is to love him, and to love him is to live differently. And that's not, that's not what's going on here. He says it's like infants. He's like, I gave you milk. I want to give you something else, but you're not ready for it. Don't miss this because some of you aren't thinking this way. I know it, and I, I get passionate, but, but I, I say all this in love because I'm so passionate to see you move on to Christ. I mean, if you, if you don't want passion, okay, then, then don't read Paul because Paul says that he was so zealous to see people grow in Christ that he was like a woman in the, in the pains of birth. That's how much he cared. And I just pray for like half of a heart of that. 
maybe, maybe like 5%, you know, like God, give me that kind of heart where I just want to see people grow. See, what Paul is saying here, think about an infant, and we see this because we have a 14-month-old, a Titus Storms, all right? If you don't know who he is, follow us on Facebook, all right? He's an awesome little kid. Uh, Ty Storms, he's the man, all right? I just, we, we love our little guy. We have three girls. We love all our girls. And then God surprised us with a little boy. And, and every time I see, this is happened just this happened yesterday at the mobile food market. When I see people, they look at Titus, they're like, wow, he's growing so much. Wow, look how big he is. And I think part of that is like because of how, you know, uh, life works and, and babies progress. And then some of that is they're so amazed that God is the God of miracles and we actually have a big kid because my wife and her side of the family is on the smaller stature. Um, so I'm just, you know, God of miracles. And, and but, 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 she, I, I told her it looked like she was getting a little taller this morning when I woke up. I don't know why. I just, um, you know, it's her birthday next week. She reminded me, so that's probably why. Um, but, 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 this is what Paul's saying. Don't miss this. If you are in Christ, there should be clear progress. And at times, and this is where some of your faith, you just are probably going to check out when I say this and not really take it to heart, but I'm praying that you'll believe it, okay? At times, there should not just be progress, there should be rapid progress. Rapid progress. This is what God wants for you. And I just know, I just know that there have been so many seasons in my life, if I can get it super extra real this morning, even as a pastor, since we moved to Boston to start this church, where God has looked at my growth and he's saying, hey, Tanner, if you just seek, if you just seek after me, if you just take the next step, you could be so much further along. You're at mile three, but you could be at mile 13 or mile 23. This is what God wants for all of us. He wants progress. He wants to, to see us move on to maturity. And if I know the human heart at all, when you hear that, some of you like, start to have feelings of guilt. Because you say, you know what, that's, that's, where, that's not only where I've been, that's where I am. And if that's you, what, what I hope happens here today is not that you're loaded with feelings of guilt, but that you're motivated by a vision of God's grace in Christ that pushes you into a new season in Him. This is what Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 3. I love these verses. Listen to this. He says, not that I have already obtained this. He's talking about attaining to the resurrection of the dead. But just before that, he's been talking about how he put his old life behind, the, the life that wasn't mature, that didn't know God, it didn't have the Holy Spirit. But he says, whether, whether good or bad, he says, not that I have obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, what? Let those of us who are mature think in this way. And so what Paul is saying is that if we're thinking like God is thinking, we have a progress mindset. We have a growth mindset. 
no one in the room has arrived. And I just want to tell you today that God has more for you than you think he does. Amen. Amen. Preach, Pastor Tanner. All right, thank you. It's true. It's true. All right, so the progress that they were lacking, the progress they were lacking really flowed from a lack of perspective. Perspective. Look at, look at verses 3 and 4. He says, and he, he shows evidence of their lack of faith, their, their lack of progress and maturity. He says, for you are still of the flesh, for while there is still jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? So let me explain this. There were groups in the church that had essentially formed factions around certain leaders, all right? He even talks about it more in chapter 1. He says, hey, some are saying, hey, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas. That's Peter, by the way. Um, I, some, thank, thank God there were some that were saying, I follow Christ. He actually says that in, in 1 Corinthians 1, but he's not talking to them right now. Um, and, and what was going on is, is that they, they were elevating people and putting their focus on people and, and and because, and we understand this, like some of the, maybe the relationships were tighter. It, clearly what he's referring to is that uh, Paul led some people to faith, but then Apollos either helped those people grow or maybe Apollos led some people to faith in Christ. And so there was maybe a personal relationship there that was meaningful to them where they said, no, 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 I follow Paul. No, I follow Apollos. Um, but, but there was more going on than just that. Because as we study first uh, century culture, uh, particularly here in the, in the Greek world, uh, what you need to understand is that rhetoricians, public speakers, were like athletes of their day. And so if you could speak and captivate a crowd, then you would have a following wherever you went. I mean, that's not the case today, clearly, um, you know. And, and, I, and I, I, just to, you know, I wouldn't be like Big Poppy or Brady but maybe at least like the Brian Scalabrini of, you know, Boston. Any of you that know the Celtics? Come on, Google search Brian Scalabrini, all right? You'll get the humility here. Um, so, so, so anyway, anyway, um, this is Paul, Paul is, is, is saying, look, this is leading you to jealousy. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. He's my guy. No, he's my guy. You need to. And so they just started to have relational friction and conflict because they were focusing on people and not God. But this again flowed from a faulty perspective. It flowed from a faulty perspective. What, 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 what Paul is wanting us to see is that it's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's not about Pastor Reddy or Pastor Chastine or Pastor you know, Tanner or Pastor Steve. Um, it's about God. And any leader worth following will point the people who he leads to the only one worth following, which is Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's, he, look, at, look at what he does in, in verses 5 through 9. He says in verse 5, What then is Apollos, what is Paul, servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned each. And so he's just saying, like, hey, Paul, Apollos, we're just servants. We're just doing our job. 
But then in verse 6, he goes on and he, and he talks about the specific assignments. He's saying, I planted, Apollos watered, but God is giving the growth. And so if you, if you remember, we've been talking about fighting for vision, right? Fighting for vision, seeing life through God's perspective. And what Paul is saying here very uh, simply is that I was doing my thing, Apollos is doing his thing, but all the while, God is doing his thing, right? So, so at the end of the day, it's always about him. Any good that ever comes through any human being is a result of God working through that person. And this is true of you as well. Verse 7, he gets even more explicit. He says, neither he who plants nor waters is anything. How about that? Pastor, not nothing. Steve, nothing. John, John, nothing. Apollos, Paul, Peter, nothing. Only God. And yet, verse 8, he says, that does not mean that our actions are inconsequential, right? And we see this in two ways. Number one, Paul and Apollos, they were actually working together toward one goal, one purpose. So our actions do matter. How we serve the kingdom does matter. And not only that, but God sees everything that we do for his name and not for his name. And he cares about it. And what Paul says in verse 8 is that each will receive his wages according to his labor. So, so we, we will be judged for how we live this life. God, God is a benevolent God. He's a very wealthy, 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 wealthy God, and he will reward us in his kingdom. But in the end, it's all about him. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. God's, 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 God's. It's all about him. It's all the perspective to fight for vision and to see that, that all of this, as we make uh, progress in our faith, as we grow in Christ, we're going to see that it is all about him. That's another evidence of the supernatural life. But as we think about their lack of progress flowing from a lack of perspective, we could sum it up, and especially theologically as we consider what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians and in other places of the New Testament, that their lack of perspective was really a lack of power. All right? There was a lack of progress that, that, that was evidence in a lack of perspective, but behind that was a lack of power. And let me show you how I get there from even this passage. All right? Verse 1, what does Paul say? I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. Now, what you need to understand, and we're going to pull in a renowned New Testament Pauline scholar by the name of Gordon Fee, who says this about the word spiritual, lowercase s, and we think oh, that just has to do with kind of what's going on inside of us. But what Gordon Fee says is that for Paul, the word spiritual in every case has some reference to the Spirit of God. 
All right, now I cut out a paragraph in my sermon notes that kind of gets more into the technical term of pneumatikos and how God, Paul is using that. But, but, but it's even right here in the text. We don't even need that, that kind of, you know, level of depth here because what does he say? In verse 3, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? And then in verse 4, he says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and the other says, I follow Paul, are you not being merely human? And so Paul says, look, the way that you're acting, you should act as though you have God in your life, the very presence of God, and yet you're, you're living and behaving as if you were merely human or only human. So what is the implication? If, if you have said yes to Jesus, then Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit to live in you, and now when someone looks at your life, there is more than meets the eye. There's more going on inside of you than people can maybe see on the surface all the time. Because God has placed, as Gordon Fee puts it in his tome that's about a thousand pages, he titles it, referring to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God's empowering presence. If you want to know what the Holy Spirit is, is for and up to in our lives, this is the main thing, God's empowering presence. God is in you to empower you to live the life that he's called you to live. I'm going to break a sweat up here today. So I just want you to listen. I just want you to listen to what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit being the power of God to be at work in you. And I'm just praying in advance and just asking God even right now that he would help you to really believe it. Really believe it. Like, not like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. Thanks for reminding me of the verse that I've already heard before. But to actually live in such a way that you are displaying the power of God. Just before Jesus ascended to the Father after he rose from the dead. His departing words to his closest followers were what? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The key mark of the Holy Spirit's presence is power right there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, if we just flip the page, in verse 20, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And some of you astute listeners are saying, well, you know, tell Pastor Tanner, um, no Holy Spirit in that verse. And I would just say go back to listen to the sermon two weeks ago when we talked about the kingdom of God and we said that this is the year of God's favor, the year of the Lord, the age of the Holy Spirit. This is what the kingdom is. The kingdom is breaking into this age and this is the age of the Holy Spirit. It's not an age of talk but of power. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Remember Fee's argument. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power.
I want you to write that down. And I, it's on your worship guide. This is so crucial because we, we, live, we live in a culture that is ripe to push us to be afraid. In so many ways, there's, there's constant pressure to measure up whatever up is for you. And so it's, it, it's only as we find our identity in Christ and we receive his love and his power that we're able to see that fear pushed out of our lives so that we can live the empowered lives that God made us to live. There's, there's nothing to fear for us in Christ. Not, not, not being successful in, in school or your job, uh, not being enough in the eyes of other people. Not cowering back and being afraid to talk about Jesus because you're afraid of what someone is going to think, say, or do because you just mentioned the word Jesus. We so often live crippled by our fears. And Paul's saying you haven't received the spirit of fear. You've received a spirit of power and love and self-discipline, the rest of the verse. Now, then he goes on in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And in verse 5, he's talking about what's going to happen in the last days. And he says that there are going to be people who have an appearance of godliness but they deny its power. And this one is super convicting, right? Because here's the reality. You can show up on Sunday. You can go to group Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, students on Friday. Don't forget about that explore on Thursday and that equip on Tuesday. You can show up. You can, hey, you know, you can carry your Bible into Mystic Coffee, Starbucks, or wherever, you know, and, and you can... You can look super spiritual. You can have the appearance, but miss the power. God wants to give you his power. He wants to fill you with his power. Do you believe it today? Power should mark our lives. And when God's power marks our lives, there will be impact, there will be influence. Your life, your words, your actions, they will have an effect. They will change the people around you. And we just need God's grace to believe that, to move us out of living spiritually anemic lives. The real thing, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And you say, well, Tanner, like, how would I even know? How would I even know if I'm stepping out in power? How would I know if I'm living in the power of God? Hopefully, your interest is peaked at this point in the sermon. Let me give you two words, and you can just test your life on it every single day, every single day. Here's the first word, fruit. You might want to write this down, fruit. Paul, in Galatians 5, is talking about what comes out of our life. And he says that we'll either live according to the flesh, the old person, or we'll live according to the Spirit. And when we live according to the Spirit, these things come out. 
Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And he says things like these. In other words, we don't stop with just these nine things. But we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about boldness. We're talking about, oh, humility, right? I can't stand up when I get excited. These, all these, all, that's fruit, right? The character of Christ flowing as the Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit exists to point us to Jesus and who he is, that we can find life in him and show the life of Christ within us. Fruit. But not only fruit, here's the second word, gifts. Over and over and over again in the New Testament, it says that God, by his Spirit, has given us spiritual gifts. These are gifts of the Spirit by which now we are empowered to serve others for the common good and the glory of God. If you want more on this, you can go listen to a sermon from May, the you and you, 1 Corinthians 12. But let me just give you a few examples. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Romans 12, 1 Peter 5 are talking about gifts like leadership, administration, teaching, faith, healing, prophecy, serving. And all of these gifts flow as the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to accomplish what he wants to do through us for the good of other people so that we and they can glorify God who has given us these gifts. Let me repeat that sermon. God gives a gift, flows out to others, goes back to God in glory. That's the you and you. You might think that's cheesy. I just find it memorable. Fruit gifts. If you want to know if someone's life is full of the Holy Spirit, look at their life, look at their fruit, look at their gifts. It's really not that complicated. A powerful life looks like Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like. That's what God wants you to look like. That's what God wants me to look like. And so, as I've stated more than once, if you have God's Spirit, if you follow Christ, God's Spirit is in you. But it's up to you, it's up to us to seek the continual filling of the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul talks about in Ephesians 5, verse 18. He says, be being filled with the Spirit. It's a continual process. And how does it happen? How does it happen? In more than a couple of ways, but I'm going to give you two, because if you get these two, the rest will follow, I really believe. Okay? Number one we come to this Spirit-inspired book. I told you knowledge was important, right? This is how we know God. This is how we know who He is. This is how He knows what He wants for our lives. And so someone that's growing in Christ is probably someone that's opening their Bible again and again and again. These are some, you know, people I'm praying for and, uh, you know, some notes. Sorry about that. That was clumsy. Who cares? All right. Spirit-inspired word. Opening up the book. But then number two, also prayer. We, we, we go to God and we ask him, read it, Luke 11, we ask him to give us more of his Holy Spirit. The evidence of the Spirit at work in us, the, the, the Holy Spirit filling us so that we do overflow to the people around us. And I just want to encourage you to pray in two ways, all right? Number one, to pray with humility. It's as simple as saying, God, I need you. 
God, I need you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And this is a prayer, quite frankly, that we should be praying every single day of our lives, probably multiple times a day. Whatever words you put it in, this is the general prayer. Because if God does nothing in us except by the Holy Spirit, then anytime you ask God for something, guess what? You're actually asking for his Holy Spirit to do something through you. That's just the theological facts. So we pray with humility. And listen, I'm just going to get on my knees to preach this right now. I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm just going to do it. Listen, if you lack the humility in your life to ask God for the Holy Spirit, this is what I want to tell you. This came from community group uh, this Tuesday night. Taylor asked this great question. He said, just thinking, thinking about uh, Jesus receiving the Holy Spirit at baptism. You guys remember this in the conversation group maybe. Why did God send God to God? I love that. Why did God the Father send God the Spirit to God the Son? Can you answer that question? Because Jesus, the eternal Son of God, who is and who was and forever will be fully God, became fully man. He took on our limitations. He took on our weaknesses. He got tired and hungry, and he experienced pain. Yes, God stumped his toe. And so Jesus being fully God and yet fully man, in his full humanity, needed the Holy Spirit to rest on him, to empower him for everything that he did. We don't teach this much in the church. Maybe even this is blowing your mind. But listen, Jesus did nothing in his life of spiritual value that was not a result of the Holy Spirit working through him. And so here's the humility piece. If Jesus needs the power of the Holy Spirit, how much do you? And how much do I? So we ask Humbly, God, oh God, I don't want to live a weak life today. God, you know I'm going to be fearful. You know I'm not going to open my mouth. God, you know that I'm not going to have the strength to love my family or love my wife or last night change the sheets when I was super tired. I've been sick all week and I couldn't sleep much because God's got me on overdrive, especially after last week's sermon. If you missed it, go listen to it. Seriously, I haven't been like, I woke up, I'm just going to tell everybody now, I woke up at 2.30 on Tuesday night and I did not go back to sleep. That's why I'm still a little sick. So I was tired last night, and I did not want to change the sheets. Don't judge me, all right? I'm just saying, I'm just, do do you see, like, I need God in that moment to help me not complain or be a smart aleck to my wife to change the stinking sheets that I actually left in the dryer, thought they were done, they were still a little wet, and then that was a point of contingent because I, you know, failed as a, a husband and a dad. I didn't do the sheets very well, but God, God's going to help me do it better next time. <laughs> yeah, pray for me. Pray, pray, pray for me. I need prayer. You need prayer. We pray humbly and we pray, listen, we pray boldly. We pray boldly. If you could see the heart of God, you would know how welcomed you are. He never turns away his kids. He never gets tired of us coming to him. 
Let me just talk about my, my morning this morning. Uh, Kesed is waking up for some strange reason. I have no clue why, because it's September. She's already making a Christmas list. I don't know why. I don't remember the first thing on her list, but I can tell you that number two is clay that can be put in the oven and made into, you know, uh, pottery or whatever, you know. And, and then number three is Alexa. <laughs> so what did I tell her? She, she, I don't know what she, you put whatever you want on that list. Not because we can afford to get her anything that she wants, no, but because the heart of a father is to not turn away requests from their kids. God's never turning away a request. He's never turning you away when, when you come to him again and again and again just to keep receiving from him more power, more filling of the Holy Spirit to love people around you, to actually have some joy in your life. Oh, I wish you knew how much God wants for you. There's so much more for you. The result will look like this. The result will look like this. Every moment power under the leadership of God's Holy Spirit every day. Every day. That's the kind of God our God is. And this happens, listen, this happens through the work of Jesus Christ. And so you may be here today and you may be saying, hey, this sounds great, but, but I have never really stepped into the life that God offers me through Jesus. And if that's you, listen, if that's you, the, 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 the paradoxical truth of how this happens for us is that God, who was eternally supernatural, eternally divine, enters time and space, takes on our flesh, lives the life we should have lived, dies the death, death that we should have died, rises again, and then sends us his Holy Spirit so that we can now have life in him. And so this all flows to us because Jesus did what we could not do so that if we look to him, we can receive his Holy Spirit and live this supernatural life. And so my two questions are simple. Number one, do you have God's Spirit in you so that you can live this supernatural life? If not, I'm pleading with you, make today the day. Just make it today. Don't, don't keep saying, hey, later, maybe sometime. Say yes today. But then for those of us who have said yes, God is inviting you to experience more and more and more and more and more and more and more of him every single day. And so would you pray with me, God, fill us with you so that we can enjoy you, we can overflow to the people around you. Listen, if you, let me do this, let me do this and I'm gonna pray. If you are new and you've never received Christ as your Savior and Lord and experienced this power that I've been talking about for the past 40 minutes, then if you would take the bottom of your connect card and just say, I commit to follow Jesus. I want what you're talking about, Pastor Tanner. If you have experienced that and yet you're not, living that supernatural life in the ways that you desire, then how about this? Fill out a prayer request. The pastors are going on a retreat this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I promise you, we'll take every card and we will pray over them for you. How, how do, thank you, Pastor Ed, he agrees with me. Um, how do you need God's work in your life? Let us know. Because we're going somewhere together. Bye.
the grace of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word that is infinitely rich and so, so good. And so, Lord, we ask that you would fill us with yourself, that you would give us more and more and more of your Holy Spirit to live the life that you have called us to live. And so, God, I pray that not one person would hold back in these moments, that you, I know you've been working by your Spirit as we've been here together today. And so, God, for anyone who needs to commit their life to Christ and follow you for the first time, God, I pray that you would empower them to say yes right now. And, God, in whatever ways that we can be encouraging one another and praying for one another to live this supernatural life, God, help, give us the courage to say whatever that is to you first and then to one another so we can support and pray for one another in this journey. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.